Transforming truth with the life-changing Word of God that heals, delivers, fills you with the Holy Spirit, all for your supernatural walk in Christ. Stay tuned for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer. And good morning. God bless you. This is Reverend Chris Palmer here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. It's 12.15 a.m. You're up listening to anointed word from God that's going to bless your life. And I want to tell you tonight that I am here in the studio at WMUZ Live. Now, I know I've been gone for a while, but the work of the Lord needed to be done in Italy. God was blessed. The Spirit of God moved. And uh, I was supposed to be out of town again this weekend. And I said, no, no, I'm going to be uh, at my radio show because I want to be live with the people. And I want to minister to you tonight. And so I'm here in the studio. And I want to teach you the Word of God. And I want you to stay tuned. So maybe you say, I, you know, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Or I want to watch my show. Or, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, I want you to stay tuned. Because I have prepared a word for you. And the Spirit of God wants to minister to your heart. And I feel the anointing of God tonight to set you free. Break you loose from maybe a bondage, addiction, some type of frustration, despair that you have. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. When you begin to hear the Word of God and apply it to your life, it begins to change things. Many times people are looking for the Lord to continue to deliver them out of things. And that comes as you uh, take heed to the Word of God. As you allow the Word of God to fill your heart and fill your mind, it's going to make your mind right. And many times it seems just there's so many people today that they're discouraged, upset, despaired, they're losing their minds, they do ridiculous things. They don't have the Word of God as a staple in their heart, in their mind, keeping them and guarding them. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 3, that I will keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And so it's so easy to allow our minds to get on anything but the Word of God. So stay tuned. Let the Word of God dwell in you richly, is what it says in Colossians chapter 3. So this is just an addition. It gives you the opportunity to do that. So I want to tell you that we're live. I want to take your prayer request tonight. Maybe you have a testimony. You want to share what God has done. Maybe you want to share your testimony. Or maybe you just want to testify what God has been doing in your life. Or you have a request. I want to pray for you tonight. Maybe you're struggling with some type of issue. Maybe you have family problems. Maybe you're believing God for salvation for a family member. And you want 2014 to be the year where you see people in your family get saved. And you need someone to hook up and agree. Or maybe you're just flat out alone tonight. And you say, gosh, it's Saturday night. People are out. And I'm alone. And I'm depressed. I'm going to kill myself. I'm having suicidal thoughts. Call tonight. 313-838-1035. I'm going to give you the number again. 313-838-1035. This is not a pre-recorded show. I'm actually here live. So call tonight. 313-838-1035. Okay? I want to welcome you tonight. And thank you again for tuning in. Before we get started, I want to tell you that the Transforming Truth broadcast has been on for over a year. We're a listener-supported broadcast, and we go off solely to people, your participation, and your partnership with our ministry. Now, we just got a brand new website, www.chrispalmerministries.com, and I want to take in, uh, encourage you to spend some time, go there, visit our site, and see the uh, vision that God has put inside the ministry. 
you know, we have services that are going to be coming up in just a couple months. And I'm going to be doing them five nights in a row. Now, some people came out to our Believer's Journey uh, conference that we had just over a couple months ago. God really moved in power. I'm telling you, the anointing of God was so strong, especially for the city of Detroit. People were getting touched by the presence of God. They were getting touched by the fire. People were coming back and testifying that the uh, power and the anointing they received, the fresh touch and uh, outpouring of the Spirit they experienced, they were taking it back to their jobs. And people were getting touched in their jobs. People praying for people healing on their jobs getting people are getting healed and so we'll be having those services coming up again now, i haven't picked a date yet but i'll announce those shortly and uh so i want to uh encourage you to uh you know be ready for those and we'll have those dates to you also we have a tremendous vision that god is placing in this ministry you know i wrote a book called the believer's journey god's path of transformation and that book uh, is on Amazon.com. You could go to Amazon.com and get it. But the Lord spoke to my heart just recently, and He told me to put that book in Italian. And so I was in Italy for the last eight weeks. I traveled night and day. I mean, it was a very long trip. People say, oh, you had beautiful pictures on Facebook, Reverend Palmer. Well, that was the pictures I took in between the travel from one place to the next. And, of course, that's one of the benefits of traveling is you get to see beautiful places. But it was a lot of work. And in 54 days, I preached 37 times, and I traveled to nine cities and thousands of miles up and down the, con or the, the country of Israel. Uh, not Israel, <laughs> Italy. <laughs> Sorry, it's late. For me, it's 6.15 in the morning because I just got back. Um, and I preached in nine cities 37 times, taught in Bible schools, and our book was a big seller. It did really well over there. And the Lord put it out of my heart to reach Europe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now... I was sitting on a train when I was in Europe, and I saw a young man get off the train. I was actually headed to Venice. And the Lord spoke to me concerning the young people of Europe. And the Lord told me that there needs to be a mind shift in that generation, that there's not going to be a move of God beyond what people's ability to perceive God looks like. And one of the ways that God affects revival in a nation is he begins to change the way that people think. And one of the ways that people think differently is they begin to take up new literature that develops a new concept in their mind about how they look at God. You know, in America, it's very easy to turn on TVN or turn on some type of network and see the Spirit of God moving. They have massive revival going on in South America, even in Central America, Latin America. There's very open for the gospel, very open to take missionary teams down in these areas. You can go to the continent of Africa. One evangelist told me that Africa is a million, the revival in Africa is a million miles long. It's, in other words, is an exaggerated way of saying it. So many people are being touched by the gospel in Africa. You go to Asia and you start to see that the biggest move of God on the planet is in the underground churches in China. And even now, you even here in the Middle East, there's revival starting to break out among a lot of Muslims that are having visitations of Jesus. But what they'll tell you in Europe is that Europe is the great mission field of the world because there are so many people in Europe that are under an influence of religion that has no power, like Paul told Timothy, that they are... Um, under a form of religion that denies the power thereof. Uh, these people know that there's a God, but they don't necessarily know who is God and how involved He wants to be in our lives. And so they live their lives to please themselves. And very rarely do missionaries go over to Europe and have any type of success. 
But God wants to change that, and I believe that the Spirit of God is starting to move again in Europe. And God's called Chris Palmer Ministries to reach out to Europe. And so I want you to consider uh, uh, partnering with our ministry as we affect Europe. And I just felt I'd lay this out in the first couple of minutes of this show and let you know that when I was, on, I was in Europe, we saw miracles. God heals people's bodies, touch people. They're very open for the gospel. And uh, the people are really uh, hungering for resources to get their hands on. They don't have a lot of the material that we're blessed to have here today because it hasn't been translated in Italian. So the first half of my book, uh, The Believer's Journey, which deals with the born-again man and the importance of praying in tongues, that has been translated into Italian. And now they're translating the second half, and that will be placed into uh, their hands when I go back a little bit later in the year. And I'll be back there for over a month again, uh, teaching the Word of God and preaching and raising up disciples in that area. So I ask you to prayerfully consider getting behind our vision, and we'll continue to make that vision more known to you and what we're doing in Europe. Of course, we want to expand our radio broadcast in the United States, and we need your help to do that. And so if the Transforming Truth broadcast has been a blessing to you, uh, I want you to consider partnering with us. The Apostle Paul says that uh, I am full and have received uh, off the gift that you've given unto me. That's a short version of Philippians chapter 4. And so the gospel is made available to people through people's help. So I thank you for that. God bless you, and we want that to be a blessing to you. As you partner with our ministry, we're here to serve you. Okay? I want to remind you, 313-838-1035. Now I want to teach tonight, before I left for Italy, um, the Spirit of God put on my heart to begin teaching the parables of Jesus. The most important things that we see in Scripture are the things that come out of the mouth of Christ. He is the great King of the earth. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the promised Messiah. And here he comes to the earth and he begins to teach. And much of his teachings are taught in parables. And so let's go and see in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 47. This is parable number 7 I'm going to teach tonight. And this is the net and the fish. And so I want to read to you what Jesus says here. It says in verse number 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and gathered every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So it shall be at the end of the world, or the Greek actually says the end of the age. Did you ever stop to think about that, friend, that when Jesus taught about this age, he always talked about it having an ending? Do you ever stop to think that the age that we're living in now, that we've been living in since the first advent of Christ, is an age that actually is going to come to an end? Well, let's see what he says about it. He says, The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just, and shall cast them into the fire of furnace. And there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto them, Have you understood all these things? And they said unto them, Yeah, Lord. Tonight we're going to talk about the age that we're living in at this point in time. You know, the world seems like it is never ending, just like New York City. You know, if you've ever been to New York City, the hustle and bustle, someone was telling me that they like living in New York City. And I said, really? They said, oh, yeah, I love going and you know, waking up in the morning and catching a cab and going to work or taking the A train. I said, don't you feel kind of insignificant in New York City? They said, what do you mean? I said, well, it never stops. People are just going. Even in the 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 in the morning, the people are on the trains, they're at their work, office, working late. I mean, it's just the city just never sleeps, really. That's why they call it that. 
And uh, it just never ends, just constant motion. Well, this age seems to be similar to that. I mean, it just never seems that there's an end to anything. I don't know if you can relate to what I'm talking about, but it always just seems that people are going, 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 and the world is just spinning off into its own orbit. And many of the things that Jesus taught were the fact that this world that we're living in, it keeps on turning, keeps on going forward, that is actually going to have an end. That means that we're, it seems that the world is never going to stop spinning. At some point, it's going to stop. And this age is going to come to an end. And so much of the teaching of Jesus is to prepare us to know what to expect as the age that we're living in now continues towards its ending. And I don't mean to say this to make you fearful and afraid, because you're going to see that if you're a believer, the end of this age is something glorious. It's the consummation of your salvation. It's actually something that you're supposed to look forward to with hope and expectation. Well, what kind of hope are you talking about? Well, you know, if someone ever promised you something, I remember when I was a young kid, my dad would always say, well, for your birthday, we're going to do this. Or my mom would say, for your birthday, I'm going to get you this, this, and that. And my birthday would be two months away. Then I would count the days down to my birthday because I was in hope and expecting something. And that's the way it is for our salvation. Our salvation has been secured for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. But here's the thing. You haven't, you are not, it's been applied to yourself, to your spirit. But you're not living in the full consummation of your salvation yet. And that's going to come when Jesus comes at his second advent. And so Jesus talked much about his coming. His second coming, that is, of course. And Jesus was a kingdom teacher, and he instructed his disciples to preach the kingdom. And so Jesus continued to supply them lessons concerning the full aspect of the present condition of the kingdom in light of, in light of the age that we're living in. And so I want to talk tonight and put you and make you mindful of the fact that we're living in an age that's going to come to an end and we're part of the kingdom of God and how to make sense of this. Because, you know, many people say, well, my purpose is to do ministry. Well, it's true. God's put you on earth and he's called you to ministry. But here's the fact of the matter. Is that this age that you're doing ministry in is going to end? And so I want to talk to you about this tonight, especially about the coming of the Lord. And so understand, number one, during this age, we have work to do. And though it's going to come to an end, it's, the, the end is not necessarily the extreme focus. Our focus should be right now upon the commission that God has called us to do. But we should have in mind that Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. Have you thought about that lately? I mean, all your hustle and bustle going to work and supplying for your family. If you stop to think about the fact that Jesus is coming. And so when I know that my Lord and Savior is coming, uh, it makes me pray with fervency. It makes me want to live my life with fervency. This morning I was up praying early, Saturday morning. And I was up at 7 a.m. and I was praying and I was mindful of the fact that he's coming soon. And, that his, and we're going to see in just a second that his coming is nearer today than it ever has been before. Every day we get closer to his coming. And so that should put more fervency in our prayer. It should be more fervent in our prayer life. And when the revelation gets inside of you, that he is soon, and he's ready to come and make the kingdoms of this world the kingdom of his Lord and our Christ. It puts an extra fire inside of you. And so when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of your heart, and he gets a hold of your life, he's going to make you conscious of the fact that Jesus is coming soon. 
And so this is not something that we are concerned about or we're surprised concerning. It should just be as a normal part of the gospel and should not put us in any type of panic. You know, someone was talking about how these preachers were talking about the coming of the Lord recently. And they were concerned about it. And I thought, you know, the coming of the Lord uh, shouldn't be something that we think about from time to time. And when preachers begin to talk about it and they let go of it for a while, then they pick it back up and talk about it. Every time they talk about it, it shouldn't make us concerned. Because daily we should be considering that he's coming back. And it should be as normal a part of our Christian life as love or as joy or as forgiveness or as giving to the poor is. And so this is the exciting thing about the coming of the Lord. As this age grows darker, we can expect God's mercy and abundant grace to increase. There's so many people that say, oh, you don't understand how bad this world's getting. You know, just look at what they did at the Grammy Awards. Look at how bad the pop singers are. Look at how much sinful and wickedness. And that's true. There's a lot of wickedness going on. But it says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 20, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. I was praying this morning and I was talking to the Lord and he really impressed upon my spirit. You know, I believe from the Word of God that there's nothing that is necessary to happen before the Lord comes and returns. He promised His return. He gave us the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He commissioned the church. And I don't think there's yet anything to be fulfilled till He comes back. Every nation's heard. I know every nation has heard the gospel. There's no nation that's not reached, more or less. And especially with the Internet and television satellite that we have, every nation has heard somewhere about the gospel of Jesus. And it doesn't mean everybody's heard but it just promises every nation. Every nation has heard. That's a fact. can be proven. And so I was praying. And I said, God, you know, there's nothing that you have to do to come back. You're ready to come back at any moment in time. And the Spirit of God put on my heart that this verse, that where, grace, where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And I really believe in my heart that out of His mercy and His love for humanity, that God is not going to come until His church is prepared, until His church is ready. And I believe that out of God's grace and out of His mercy, He's going to send another move of His Spirit that's very powerful and very strong. It's going to cause people to have a spiritual intensity about them. They're going to awake to spiritual things and throw off the ungodly slumber that has framed their soul and kept them bound in some type of lethargic spirituality. And I believe God is going to do that. And I believe that there is going to be a revival of the Spirit that begins to blow and move upon the people of God that people will begin to rise up with the fire and power of the Holy Ghost, and that when they preach the Word of God, it's effective. That people that hear the Word preached will begin to go, it goes past their mind and begins to touch their heart. That people that are hardened sinners that you never thought would be saved will begin to turn their hearts to Jesus. I believe that we're going to begin to see this breakaway of sin in this age, and people awaking to righteousness, because there is such a thing as a spiritual dullness that gets into people. That when they hear the gospel, no, nah, I don't need that, no, nah. I mean, they just are lackadaisical about the gospel. But when God sends a move of the Spirit upon the land, when people start speaking and preaching about the Word of God, it creates inside of their spirit an awareness, an urgency, and a hunger, and a desire. And it begins to awake them of the fact that they're spiritual beings, and without Christ, and without the power of the gospel, that they will be eternally separated from God, and it causes them to make a decision decision to give their hearts to Jesus and it begins to turn people away from unholiness because it turn them to righteousness. 
And I believe that we're living in this age where we're going to see that before this age ends, I believe in God's mercy that he is going to provide that for his people because he loves us. God is love, what First John says. And so in this parable, Jesus is talking about the end of the age. And so that's what we have to keep in mind. And he tells us what to expect in the end of the age so that we're not caught off guard. I want to remind you that we're live tonight, 313-838-1035, 313-838-1035. I gladly interrupt this teaching to pray for you, take your prayer request or your phone call. I know people say, well, you're gone such a long time. We were just hearing pre-records. Well, I recorded all those for you in advance so you could have fresh teaching. Uh, I think there's only one rerun. Run. So, this parable, the parable of the net and the fish, is actually interpreted by Jesus. And it has plenty of information in it for us to know what it's talking about. So the very first thing that Jesus talks about in this parable is the kingdom of heaven. Now, many of the things that Jesus talked about were concerning the kingdom of heaven. And all the parables in Matthew 13 are concerning the kingdom of heaven. Or we could also say the kingdom of God, an interchangeable term that refers to that. Now, I know, friend, you may be listening tonight and you say, well, I need deliverance. How does this pertain to my life? Or I'm struggling with alcoholism. Or, you know, my husband, he's abusive. Or my wife... You know, she just walked out of me with the kids. Well, listen, just listen to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to get in your heart. And the teaching doesn't always have to be spot on to what you're dealing with. Once you hear the Word of God, it's going to start loosening up things in your life and start grafting itself into your heart. And God will start speaking to you. Once you hear the Word of God, it opens up a portal in your heart. And you start hearing this Word and God starts speaking to you another Word because it's all the Word of God. And so the kingdom of heaven refers to God's domain and the rule and reign of God, whether in heaven or on earth. And so when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about, you know, God's rule and reign over the earth and is purposed in the earth and is for his kingdom to be manifested upon the earth. And when you study the kingdom of God around the earth, you'll see that it existed in time past in Eden during the times of the patriarch in Israel after the exodus in the Gentile world during the captivity of Israel in the time of Daniel. And you'll see that the kingdom of God existed in Christ's ministry. When Jesus came to the earth in Matthew chapter 4, 17, the thing that Jesus began to do was he began to present the rule and reign of God to Israel or the house of Judah. That's Matthew 4, 17. And so when Jesus began preaching, he began preaching the kingdom of God and started announcing that the kingdom of God is here. And so the coming of Jesus ushered in the next phase of the kingdom, and he told his disciples that the king of the kingdom, who is himself, he is here. And he told his disciples to go and preach the fact that the kingdom is here. And the disciples did. Jesus appointed 12, of course. And then later he appointed 70, and he gave them power to cast out devils. And even the Pharisees, a lot of them I was reading this morning, acknowledged and came back to the high priest and says, hey, the kingdom is here, no doubt. Nobody's ever spoken as this man speaks. And so, because the Jews had such a nationalistic and materialistic concept of the kingdom, they rejected it. And so the kingdom was transferred to the church, which is now a new nation. First Peter chapter 2, verse 5 says that you are a holy nation. You are a royal priesthood. And now the next aspect of the kingdom in its manifestation is the church of the living God. And so the church is... The company of the redeemed. So the church is the instrument right now that we are to demonstrate the kingdom. And through the church, the kingdom of God extends into the hearts of men. 
And so when you consider where is the kingdom now, the kingdom is in a profession form through the mouth of the church, and the church is now the agent of proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom upon the earth. And so when Jesus talks about the kingdom, it's important for us to know what the kingdom looks like right now, that it's the job of the believer to demonstrate the kingdom through praying for people, doing gospel work, showing the love of Christ, demonstrating the power, demonstrating healing, casting out devils, healing the sick, and preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And so Jesus is going to expand upon this. And so you say, well, you know, I'm just going to church. I'm just a believer. Well, no, no, no. You're more than just that. I mean, you're a believer. But don't, don't, don't forget that you have the power of the kingdom at your disposal. That when you get the Holy Ghost in your life, the Holy Ghost will give you kingdom purposes. And you have an invisible kingdom that's just as real as the natural world that you're living in that you're supposed to demonstrate. So when you pray for somebody, you demonstrate the kingdom. You, when you pray for somebody and you pray for their healing, that is the power of the kingdom versus the power of the natural. And you can demonstrate it as a child of God. All you need is a word from God. We have Monique tonight on the phone. God bless you, Monique. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored, Pastor. Welcome back from Italy. Ah, thank you, Monique. It's good to hear your yes, voice. Yes, I've been praying for you. You and have? I'm so glad that you are back here. Ah, well, thank you. I can feel your prayers, and it was a blessed trip, and I'm so thankful to have partners like yourself to keep me in prayer, Monique. Yes, um, I, I, I am laid off from my job, and so presently I don't have a job, and I spend more time in prayer. Okay. Uh, and I'm reading your book. That book is so precious. Wow. <laughs> I just look at I see you to be uh, the Paul of today. Wow. Well, uh, as I read that book, so I thank God for for wow. you. Well, Monique, and I... And God will continue to bless you so that you do more for us. Well, I'm very humble. I'm very humble, Monique, and uh, I, I'm very, very humble by your words, and I I'm, thank you for taking the time to read my book, and... I uh, I want to pray for your job, and I want to bless you, okay? Yes, yeah, thank you, Pastor. Father, I thank you, and I praise you for Monique. Thank you for the power of God that's available to her, and I thank you for the commitment and her, the, the excellence that she has in her heart, especially, Father, to give herself to prayer during this time. And I thank you that every prayer that she prays is not wasted time. Every moment that she spends with you, Father, is a time where she's charging herself up, praying out the mysteries of God concerning everything Christ has in her to her and through her. In the name of Jesus, I pray and declare provision over her life. Father, I pray that you would send forth opportunity to come looking for her, Lord, that she wouldn't have to strive hard to find a job. I pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would bless her tremendously in her finances. I pray that, Father, that you would send people to look for her. I pray, Father, that the job that she receives next would be above all that she could ask or think, that it would be uh, a better position than the one that she formerly had. And, Father, I declare that her finances are blessed. I declare every bill bill is paid, and even this time where she's consecrated to you, Father, in this time where she is seeking your face, that you are paying all of her bills, that every need is supernaturally met. And when the time comes, Father, for her to step out of her prayer closet, there will be provision there for her to maintain her lifestyle. I thank you for it, Father. I pray that you bless her family. I declare good health and healing over them, Father. And I just pray that the presence of the Spirit of God would increase double in her life, that you'd feel the tangible anointing of your presence, that she would venture deeper into the love of God. And I thank you that perfect love casts out all fear in her life. I thank you and I praise you for it, God. And I bless her now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you, Pastor. Monique, God bless you. I'll hear from you soon, okay? Bless you too, Pastor. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. And we're so thankful for people like Monique that call and bless us with, uh, you know, just their prayers. And if you prayed for us while I was in Italy, thank you so much. We had a wonderful trip, and we were blessed because of your prayers. We're talking about the kingdom of God tonight. As you can see, I'm still a little tired. People say, oh, you know, it takes several days to get over the jet lag. And, uh, you know, I wake up really early in the morning, <laughs> and I fall asleep really early because I'm just getting over it. So, uh Right now, it's, it's for me, it feels like 6.30 in the morning. But we're going to teach to you the Word of God tonight. And I'm excited to be back with you on the radio. I really missed doing radio when I was over in Italy. And uh, so we have even actually a chance to do radio next time I go back there uh, in Italian. So it'll be wonderful. Um, we're talking about the kingdom of God. And we're talking about how Jesus presented the kingdom and the things he said concerning the kingdom. And so, what Jesus said concerning the kingdom is he likened it unto a net in Matthew chapter 13. Now, these are really important things that he said, and they shouldn't go overlooked. Many times, you know, you read Matthew chapter 13, you, you go right over these things, but they're important to catch. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. Well, the word net is not talking here about... Uh, you know, casting a line and catching one fish at a time. There are four different ways of catching fish in the Bible. Number one, you can take a line and catch one fish at a time, just like Peter did when he caught the fish and pulled the coin out of its mouth and threw the fish back. And then there was another way they caught fish, and that was they casted nets from the shore and caught small group of fish. You can see people doing this if you go to Lake Michigan. They throw a little net out there and catch small little bait fish. Then the next way was to take a larger net and throw it from the boat into the ocean. You could catch a little bit bigger fish doing it that way. But then there was the big, grandiose way of catching fish. And this was to use a dragnet. Now a dragnet was put at the bottom of a boat. And it was drug under the water. And it drags the bottom of the sea. And it literally brings in anything and everything in its pathway. And this is what the Lord called the kingdom of God. And this dragnet, what he's talking about, is referring to the ministry of Christ's disciples when he called them to be fishers of men. Through their ministry and our ministries, through your ministry, my ministry, and everyone's ministries, in this present time where the kingdom of God is in the hands of the church, where you, I, your pastor, your church, or whoever, if you're a part of the body of Christ and you're preaching Jesus, you can expect that there's going to be a great ingathering of fish. I mean, this gospel is all-inclusive. You can go to Saudi Arabia and preach it. You can go to Australia and preach it. You can go up to Antarctica and preach it, or down to Antarctica and preach it. Anywhere there's people, you can preach the kingdom of God. And the thing about it is, it's going to bring in a great ingathering of fish. It's just... You know, the dragnet, when they threw that out there, it didn't say, oh, no, I don't want to get this fish up, but this fish, maybe this fish. All other ways of fishing was selective and efficient. This was just all-inclusive. And this is how the kingdom of heaven is. You just preach it, and you want people to accept Jesus, and you want people to get saved. And the thing about this, the, the net is, is that it is put into the sea. Now, the sea represents the same thing it does in parable 6, where we talked about the pearl, and that is restless humanity. That is wicked humanity. That's humanity as a whole. Dark, restless humanity. Isaiah 57, verse 20 and 21, talks about how Humanity is wicked. Revelation chapter 7, 
verses 1 and 15 talks about humanity being the nations and tongues of the people and likens it unto a great sea. And so when you consider the sea, I, I, there's times I've been on two cruises in my life. Uh, and there's times where I've stood on different beaches in different parts of the world and looked at the ocean in the middle of the night. It's very dark. The only thing that brings light is the moon, if the moon's out and it's not blocked by clouds. And then, and when you look at the sea, it's intimidating, it's deep, it's unending, it's wide, it's mysterious. And you know that under all that water, there is a whole nother world going on. And it's always moving and there's always activity. And this is the way that God compares or what God compares humanity to. It's just so much going on all the time. And so when you consider the world... And I mean, going through airports uh, and catching trains. I was waiting for the train and, when I was in Europe. And I remember thinking, man, there's so many people in this world. What, look at what they're doing. Some are going to jobs. What are all these people on the train doing? Then you realize you're in one city, in one area, in one country, in one continent. And there's people all over the world doing this. And it's, it's just a bit overwhelming. But you know what you can trust? That in all of this restless humanity, there is a gospel net that is made up of the church and the preaching of the gospel that is being drugged through the earth, bringing people into the kingdom. And you're going to find out that it's going to bring a great ingathering of people. And we're going to see that in just a second. Let's go to the phones. We have Sherelle. God bless you. How are you tonight? Blessed. How can we help you tonight, Sherelle? I was just like prayer that I buy employment and for my family. Do you find a what? Employment. Employment for your family. Okay. Sherelle, do you belong uh, do you belong to a local church? Yes. Okay. Well, let me touch and agree with you, okay? Okay. Father, I thank you and I praise you for Sherelle. I thank you, Father, that you are her God. And that, Father, you always provide for your people. I ask in the name of Jesus that you'd stretch forth your hand of provision and bless her. Father, I thank you for the skills that you've given to her. Those skills are given to her by your grace and your mercy. And I pray in the name of Jesus that through her giving, that she has accessed heaven through her faith in believing. And I pray, Father, that you would bless her financially. We touch and agree. Your word says in Matthew 18 that if two of you agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask... It shall be done of our Father which is in heaven. So I pray, Father, you'd bless her. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, send people her way to help mentor her. And if there's certain skills she needs to acquire, I pray, Father, that you would send mentors to help her in that area. And I just declare, Father, everything and every need in her family is met according to her faith. I thank you and I praise you for it. I pray there be no anxiety, no fear, no concern in her life. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Cheryl. And so we're talking tonight about the parable of the fish in the net. Now, this parable is very similar to the parable of the tares and the wheat. When you start to understand that in the kingdom of God, there are two different types of people. And so we're going to see that in just a second. Now, the net dragged in fish of every kind. Good fish, bad fish, and it was a mixed catch. And so this is something that's very important to note when you consider the church. Now, the church is not people that show up on Sunday mornings and have coffee and donuts and listen to the pastor preach. 
Those are people who are going to church. Those are people actually that are going to a worship service. But the church is the people that have been, uh, that are a part of the company of the redeemed, who have legitimately and sincerely given their heart to Jesus, have decided to follow him, who have renounced the world, have renounced Satan, and who have been sealed with the power of the Holy Spirit, have been sealed with the Spirit, and are on their journey into what God has called and the higher calling that Paul talks about in Philippians 3. And this is the church. But it's not made up of people who profess to be Christians. We would call that the realm of profession. And so within, the, within what appears to be the body of Christ, there's always going to be mixture. And this mixture is going to remain in the kingdom in its present state until the end of the second coming. Now, um, let me give you an example. When it comes to fish. In Israel, when you consider the law of Moses... Anything with fins and scales was clean and good to eat. Leviticus chapter 11. And anything else was considered an abomination. And so there are, you know, just because they're fish doesn't mean that they're good to consume. And so there were signs that were given to the children of Israel for them to know that this is something you can eat and this is something that you can't eat. This is acceptable and this is unacceptable. Well, in the kingdom of God, there are certain signs that you can look for inside of believers. Actually, not you look for, but that God looks for. Matthew 7, verse 16, Jesus says that you will know them by their fruit. And so, just because someone says, well, I'm a Christian now, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to follow him. If their life is not matching up to it, then God's going to take notice of that. And so, in the in-gathering, through the profession of the gospel, it's going to bring mixture. People say that they're of God, and they're really not of God. Now, that's not for us to judge. That's between God and them. But this is what Jesus was teaching. We're going to go on break, but before we do, let's go to the phones. We have Juanita. God bless you. You're on air tonight. How are you, Juanita? Oh, I'm blessed. How can I pray for you tonight? Uh, I would like for you to pray for my son. Um... He's going in for uh, open heart surgery on the 25th. Okay, and uh, how old is your son, Juanita? Oh, um, he's in his 50s. He's in his 50s. Does he have um, some type of blockage of some sort? Yes, uh, yes, I think he has some blockage, has blockage. that they need to get into. In his arteries? Hello? Okay. Is, in, in, is yes. it in his arteries? Yes. Okay. Okay, well, I want to pray for you, okay? And I want to pray for your son. What's your son's name? John. His name's John. Okay, let me pray. And if you're listening tonight, agree with us. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for John. I thank you, Father, that your hand's upon him. Father, in the name of Jesus, me and Juanita and my listening audience come together and we lift up John. I pray that you'd stretch forth your healing hand right now and touch his heart. I speak to every blocked artery right now and I command it to open up. I command those arteries in Jesus' name to be unclogged. I pray, Father, your healing power would begin to touch his heart even as he sleeps tonight. And I pray that you'd begin to undo every problem that's in his body. Father, everything that's in there that's not of God, I pray that you reverse that because of Juanita's faith and calling. I pray that, Father, when he goes under the knife, that you would guide the doctor's hands. I pray, Father, that when they go to perform the surgery, that there be no complications, and I pray that they would find him better off than what they expected. 
I pray that come evening of the 25th, that their family would see that all is well, that everything is put behind them, and we rejoice now as though it's so. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, we need thank God you. bless you. Call back and let us know how the surgery goes, okay? All right, then. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We're going to go ahead and go on break. Stay tuned, and we'll be back after this song.
WMUZ Detroit in crystal clear digital HD and on the web at WMUZ.com. We're back here on the Transforming Truth radio broadcast. God bless you. We're talking tonight about the parables of Jesus. I started a series a couple weeks ago It's called The Secrets of Life, Teachings of Jesus, and we're teaching his parables. And they're very powerful, some of the most important things ever spoken on the planet because Jesus was teaching things that concerned the kingdom. And tonight we're talking about the net and the fish, which is found in Matthew chapter 13, 47 through 50. And I thought it would be helpful to explain a few facts about the parable. And, of course, we were talking about how the, the, the net was thrown into the sea and there's a great ingathering of fish. The net uh, was full, is the next thing the scripture says. And so here's an important thing to understand is that uh, the, the net did not stay in the water forever. It was pulled up and the fish were separated. And so when we're considering the gospel net or we're considering the fact that the gospel is being preached in the world, all around the world today, uh, it's important to understand, just as I said at the beginning of the broadcast, that this age is going to come to the end and eventually the gospel preaching that's happening today all over the world is going to come to an end as well. That means that the net is no longer going to be dragging along in humanity. Uh, and this is the fullness of time when this age comes to a close. And just as I said before, is that this age is now shortly drawn to a close. I want to read to you something that is found in Romans chapter 13 verse 11. Because it shows the mentality, the mentality that the believer is supposed to have concerning the second coming of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 13 and verse number 11. It says in that knowing the time that now it is high time to wake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Well, the verse says here knowing the time. Well, what time is it? Well, it's the time for us to preach the gospel. Jesus says that the day cometh where no the night cometh where no man can work. John 9, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. And so Paul's echoing this back again. He's saying, hey, listen. He's talking to the church at Rome. He's saying it's knowing the time, knowing the hour that we're living in, that we need to proclaim and preach the gospel. It's time to wake up out of our sleep. And the reason is, is because our salvation is coming closer than when it ever had before. And so we know that the grace of God is shining forth in the earth today. And through the preaching of the gospels, giving man to have a chance to escape their sinfulness. And despite this, our salvation is coming quickly. This means the consummation of our salvation. This, so this doesn't refer to... Uh, when it says that our salvation is not referring to Christ who bore our salvation or it's not referring to our born-again spirit to which that salvation was applied. Rather, it's referring to the full enjoyment of our salvation in heaven. It refers to the resurrection of our body. It refers to the freedom from every evil that surrounds us today in this world. And it refers to possession of all that is good and glorious. 
And so we're closer to that day than we ever have been before, and the age is drawing closer more and more every day. You know, people sometimes get off. They say, well, you know, Brother Palmer, there's blood moons coming, and Brother Palmer, you know, I just know that there's cataclysmic events coming, and these kind of things like to stir up people's attention to the soon and second coming of Christ. Well, you know, you don't see Paul talking about that in Scripture. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with talking about blood moons or there's anything wrong with talking about uh, events that are happening in the earth today, global events and economic crises and changes in the weather patterns. And these are things that Jesus said that we should look for. But what I'm saying is that, you know, when people start talking about these things, it doesn't accelerate my, uh, it doesn't accelerate my, um, expectation of the second coming because my attitude is usually what paul's attitude is and that is today we're closer than our salvation than we were yesterday and tomorrow we'll be closer to our salvation than we were today and that just always is another way of saying that we always have the mentality that christ could come at any moment and we're always ready and we're always prepared and so it doesn't matter what's going on in the world today. I'm with or without those events happening, with or without anything. Even it's not going to get me to think about his return any less because his return is a fact of the matter. And the word of God calls it the blessed hope. And it's something that we should be looking for all the time. You know, sometimes when those events aren't happening, when it almost seems that there's a period of rest that's going on in our country, or for that matter, around the world where things don't seem as crazy, we can sink into a slumber. <clears throat> and so it's important to know that if nothing's happening, that doesn't mean we stop thinking about the second coming. And the only time we think about the second coming is when there's predictable events that are ahead. We need to always be mindful of the second coming. And the attitude and response that we have is that we need to continue with all fervency to do gospel work. The purpose that God has for you and that God has for me is to demonstrate and manifest the kingdom. And the reason is, is because this age is coming to a close. It is going to be wrapped up. The church age, the age of grace that we're now living in, is going to be superseded by the coming of Christ, and it will turn into a, a, an age where he rules and reigns upon the earth for a thousand years. And so the one we're living in now, it is going to be wrapped up and there should be an urgency in your heart and there should be an urgency in my heart and there should be an urgency in the body of Christ that the purpose that we have here is not to get rich. It's not to assume a higher standard of living. It's not to make a name for ourselves. It's not to build bigger buildings, but it is to do the purpose of God, whatever that may entail. And to preach the gospel because it won't be long in the blink of an eye that he will have come back. And what's going to matter is who gave their hearts to Jesus? Who accepted Christ as their Savior? How was the kingdom demonstrated? How was it manifested? You know, it gives Christ great pleasure to see people taking his gospel and spreading his gospel across the earth. And so with that, we labor fervently. Um... Listen how intense the early church uh, looked for the second coming of Christ. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 10, something interesting was going on. 
I want to show it to you quickly tonight. Second Thessalonians 3 verse 10. He says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Somewhere in Paul's letter, his first letter to the church at Thessalonica, when he talked about the coming of the Lord, people in the church in Thessalonica, some people, got off and thought it was so soon and so coming that they didn't even have to work. That what's the point of working when Jesus could come tomorrow? And Paul had to rebuke him. He said, listen, um, <clears throat> you need to work because if you're not going to work, there's not going to have any money. And if you don't have any money, you're not going to be able to buy goods for your home and for yourself. And you're not going to be able to eat. And they became actually busy bodies and they began to waste their time. And Paul even says they became useless. And so the point I'm trying to make here is the re their, their idea of the return of Christ was their response was wrong. They became lazy and they became idle. But... They still had an urgency, and it's the urgency in them that I admire, that they knew that he was coming back so soon. They actually stopped working, and they sat around on their hands all day, and they waited for him to come. Well, <clears throat> at least they were expecting him to come. You know, you ask a lot of Christians today, you say, well, what do you hope for? Well, I hope to do this, and I hope to do that, and I hope to do this, this, and that. And, brother, we just got this vision, and you say, what about the second coming of Christ? What are you talking about? And it's not in the back of their heads. Listen, friend, I would love to put down my ministry. I'd love to put down all the laboring that I do to take up my salvation and have Jesus come. I would do it in a second. But, you know, there's some people I think that are so preoccupied by certain things and doing everything that they've etched out for themselves that if they had the opportunity to have Jesus come today, they wouldn't want him to come. You say, why don't you want Jesus to come? Well, I haven't done all that I want that I want to do. That's the wrong attitude. Because what you're doing is a means to a greater end, and that is for Jesus to come. Uh, but nevertheless, he's coming. He's coming quickly. And when he does come, and when this age is over, there is going to be a great, rep, uh, great separation. This is what it says. Uh, you know, you'll find that the Word of God says, just like it talks about the wheat and the tares, it talks about the separation of the good fish from the bad fish. And as I was talking about the mixture that comes into the kingdom, when you preach the gospel, some people say, oh, I received Jesus, I'm going to follow him, but they're really not following him. They just for, just say they're following him, but they're not. Well, he's going to find out in the end, he is going to separate people that profess him, but lived according to the way they wanted to live. Versus the people that truly gave their lives to follow Jesus. You know, when you follow Christ, you give your life to do it. And it's an easy thing to do because you have the Holy Spirit that puts it in you to do it. And your life becomes conformed to Him and you allow Him to bring the transformation in your life. And so this is what Romans 13.11 is saying. That a believer is to awake with the work of divine power and not in the deadness and sleep of sin. And so a real believer that's following Christ, I'm not talking about a bad fish, I'm talking about a good one, is one who's cast off a drowsy frame of spirit in the sluggishness and the foolishness that the virgins demonstrated when they were without oil when Christ came. They're full of the power of God. They're full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They're full of the Holy Ghost. And they're not lukewarm for the cause of Christ. And they're not preoccupied with 
all sorts of busyness. They're not uh, unconcerned about sins of omission and commission. And there's a proof of divine work in their life. And they're not weary in spiritual exercise. They're not abstinent from spiritual company. And they're not even over anxious for the things of this world. And these are the characteristics of a believer that has forward motion in their life, of a believer is really following and serving the Lord, and these are the ones that Christ is looking for him to follow. And so the warning that Jesus gives is there's going to be a separation that comes before judgment. And you see the scripture says that the bad fish are put into the furnace and burned, and the good fish are, what the word of God says, the good fish are to the side and into the kingdom of God. And so I want to give you a challenge tonight, friend, is to get your heart right before the Lord. If you're a believer tonight and you're listening, I want you to remember that this age is coming to an end. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is coming soon. So if you're listening to the radio tonight and you're driving home or you are in your home or whatever, I want you to know that the Word of God says that Jesus Christ is coming soon i'm saying it his return is near so whatever busyness you have whatever preoccupation you have with anything else i want to challenge you to lay that aside and i want you to put first things first and get your heart right to what's important and to know that the primary response that we have in light of this is that we need to catch souls for the kingdom of God. We need to be fishers of men. We need to be a part of that dragnet that's going to and fro the earth, win souls for Jesus, bring a great ingathering of people through the grace of God into the kingdom and allow God to sort them out. It's not up for us to judge. It's up for us to preach the gospel. I want to remind you that you can go on www.chrispalmerministries.com and you can partner with us as we begin to bring the gospel to Europe, as we continue to expand our radio show. Uh, you, If you're looking for a book, The Believer's Journey, God's Path of Transformation, you can go on Amazon.com and find it. We will have another book. I will have another good book that will be out in around August. I won't tell you the title of it, but I'm very excited about it, and it is in the works. All written, it's just being edited, and we will have it out in a couple months. So we want you to be prepared for that. If you want to partner with us, like I said, www.chrispalmerministries.com. If you want to find us, you can go to Facebook and look for Chris Palmer or Chris Palmer Ministries. Again, we'll be back here next Saturday night, 12, 15 a.m. Tell some friends, tune in, call in next week. We love you. God bless you, and we will see you next week. Father, I pray you bless my audience. May your anointing, may the presence of God be in their home. We thank you for it now, Father. I pray you bless them and their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, and we'll talk to you next week. Now that you've received the transforming truth of the Word of God, go deeper. Go to our website, chrispalmerministries.com, or log on to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Ministries. Then partner with Chris financially at Chris Palmer Ministries, P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. And tune in again every Saturday night at 1215 a.m. for Transforming Truth with Chris Palmer on WMUZ 103.5 FM, The Light.